2: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Running Excuses, Season 4, Episode 5 D-
3: James Dashner's Lessons on Pacing. This yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Wait a just... <laughs> What's your problem? That's
2: my line. You're I'm not to... that smart. <laughs>
3: And anyway, um, we're just going to move right on ahead. Um, today we have special guest star James Dashner, author of The Maze Runner. James. Yeah. Thank you. So Thank we you. Are live, we are the live. University and everything here at Brigham University. Yes, we are. Um, and James has uh, consented to join us. He is a fantastic writer whose books I have read and loved. He has also been selling a ton of copies lately, um, and deservedly so. The Maze Runner has been selling through the roof. It is a great YA dystopian um, science fiction. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, checks um, Consent, in the means mail, right?
2: We get paid, and he doesn't.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, James, we're going to pitch a lot of these things at you All because right. you're the one who said I want to do a podcast on pacing. What did you mean? Why did you say that?
5: Well, Brandon, this is the reason why. Because I get asked about this a lot about how you pace in a book, how you structure a book, to really make the reader fly through it. And it's something that I consciously work on. I, you know, story is always most important. But I also think about how it's structured in terms of chapters in terms of when I reveal things. uh, Okay, So you're using your structure as part of your pacing. Yes, absolutely. So what
3: what, what tips can you give to our listeners to do that well? How do you use it? What tricks do you use? Okay. Um, Well let call them techniques
5: instead of tricks. Techniques. Okay. okay. We will call them techniques, but
3: they're really tricks.
5: OK. <laughs> tricks work. I don't know. I, I love to end chapters with things that make you want to read the next one. OK. Now, this is something. A $20 bill? <laughs> <laughs> that works. I haven't tried that one, but I'm sure it does. It gets a little expensive. The publishers yeah. balked when I suggested that one to them. Yeah. You could afford it, but I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> uh, you know, this is something i The wheel I've, of 20s?
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> the wheel of fortune. So do <laughs> <laughs> your it special guests- I mean, because
2: we got a punchline. <laughs>
5: and I don't. <laughs> Uh, so do your special guests usually, you know, actually talk?
4: Yeah. Yeah, They're usually a little more aggressive than you. Come on. All right. I was just curious. Fast
5: pace. Fast pace. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. All right. So I was born in 1972 and then I, uh, no. All right.
4: No, this is something- (laughs) You're old. the most poorly paced lesson on pacing. (laughs)
5: I'm only three years older than Brandon Sanderson. You're
3: almost as old as Howard. (laughs) But I have
5: way more hair, but that's the obvious joke. Okay. Uh, I don't know. It's about even.
2: He's got it on the chin. For for those of you not benefiting from the video feed, (laughs) I have a big frowny pout on my face right
5: now. Okay. let's actually let James talk. And I have a beautiful palette of hair. (laughs) (laughs) Not palette. What's the word? (laughs) (laughs) It's on your mouth? The
4: roof of his mouth is furry. <laughs> okay, okay. Seriously now. All right, all right. We're uh, doing exactly what we complained about in our intro. Yes, we are.
5: Jake okay. keep it snappy. I am about to blow your mind. Okay. <laughs> this is something I have matured in in my writing. From okay. From when I started to now. I used to like to end chapters with things that would trick you into reading the next chapter. Like, he opened the door and he gasped. Right. Okay? But that is really a cheap trick and it's not good writing. Now I try to do it more like... I want to create something intriguing enough to force them to keep reading. So instead of that scene, I'll have them open the door and there's a wet cardboard box sitting on his doorstep. Okay. And juice is oozing out of it or something like that. Okay. And he leaned over to pick it up. Right. So, so a little okay. Little, you like you that. just blew my mind. I just blew your no, mind. No, really. No.
3: Um, that's awesome because I've actually tried to. Articulate that very same concept before. We've talked about how <laughs> the thrillers that use these kind of these dirty tricks, rather than good tricks or rather than techniques, as they as they have been called, um, really annoy me. And I've had trouble sometimes putting my finger on it. Um, the Da Vinci Code does this a lot. Uh, it dangles something in front of you, a little carrot of I'm going to tell you this eventually, but I don't. It's the false reveal. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and as much as I like some episodes of it, Lost does this a lot. Um, things that have to keep you going forever do this a lot. And and it's, it's really what they do, is it's, I open the door and saw. And in the next one, it's like, my mother. And she said hello to me, and blah, 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 blah. blah. And then you get to the end of the chapter. And then she revealed to me yeah. something oh, just, that I'm going to tell you later on. Oh, it's just the cat.
5: Yeah. And yeah, just, it's just the cat. Yeah, and like, to use a movie example, if, if, this was, if Star Wars, well, it is a book. But if the movie was a book, or you know what I mean. When Luke, or when Darth Vader reveals that he is Luke's father, okay, you could say, and then Darth Vader said something And then make you read the next chapter. But it's so powerful when he says, Luke, I am your father. That should be strong enough to make you want to read the next chapter. Rather than saying, Luke, I am your dot, 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 and you're like, what, Rutabaga? I mean. (laughs) Exactly.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's actually very clever. It's a good way to articulate. So you should put something interesting behind the door and show them the interesting thing to make them want to keep reading, rather than keeping from them what it is. In other words, right. don't do what I did at my reading yesterday
4: when I stopped at the dramatic point. That was because it was going to spoil. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and, and let's point out that the two examples that James used, one of them was a mystery and one of them was a revelation. You can do either one as long as you're interesting.
5: All right, how else can we use structure to help with pacing? Well, I think one just very small but obvious thing is chapter length. Okay. Now, I've had this argument with our good friend Shannon Hale. Okay. She thinks that chapters should be somewhat long, mm-hmm. because um, she thinks at the end of a chapter, the kid has an excuse to close the book. Okay. So you shouldn't have too many chapter endings. I right. completely disagree, as much as I love Shannon. I think if that kid ends a chapter and knows that the next one is really short, they'll think, ooh, I can just read one more. Right. So I am a huge fan of relatively short chapters. I don't like them as short as Dan Brown's. So it's uh-huh. a can of
2: potato chips versus a can of potatoes.
5: <laughs> yes. I don't even know what that meant, that, <laughs> You just blew my mind.
4: OK, the, that, that the, the like, length of your chapters, I think, also depends a lot on the genre that you're writing. Yeah. An epic yeah. fantasy is going to have a much longer chapter than a YA fantasy, which is probably going to have a slightly longer chapter than a really taught thriller. You know, well, just- yeah, and let's look at what these different
3: things are doing and what when you're writing your chapters, actually cognitively deciding, I'm going to write to gain this aspect. Why I write long chapters in my epic fantasy. Um, one of the reasons why I do this is because I want to give an epic sense of scope. And also, you know, I'm writing books that are 300,000 words long. People are not going to read my books in one sitting. In fact, they, if they want to pick up one of my books, some of you I know have read them in one sitting and you're crazy, um, <laughs> but if people are going to pick up one of my books, there's just so much going on and you know what I'm doing is going to require a lot of people, I want to make them think, I want to make them digest and this sort of thing. I can't afford to tear them through the entire book. Because 300 words of tearing people through will exhaust them and annoy them. It's what Dan Brown tried to do with Da Vinci Code. And my argument has always been he tried, number one, too hard using dirty tricks. Number two, it was too long. And so i got frustrated because i wasn't getting the answers and if you have a shorter book that you can just rip someone through that's awesome that's not what i try to do with epic fantasy and so i give them large chunks each chapter is like almost a novella or at least a novelette and you read the whole thing you get a complete arc and story to it and when you sit it down you have taken a huge bite of something substantial and in that case i'm okay if you put it down um, I don't necessarily, but I can't afford to do what you do, and you do it extremely well, which is just pull people
2: along until they, they're gasping at the end and have to have the ending. So I've, I've got a question now. We've talked a little bit about these you know, chapter endings, and so you've got, uh, I don't know, 20 chapters in a book. So there's 20 pages you've made me turn. How are you gonna make me turn the other 400?
5: Great question, Howard Taylor. <laughs> Uh, you
2: have they to be- know my name. This is writing excuses, <laughs> not the James
5: Dashner show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, I have more like sixty chapters, but that's a small point. Okay. So the other pages, you have to be really smart about spacing the things throughout your story. I kind of have some rules of thumb. Um, you don't want scenes of dialogue to be too long. You don't want scenes of or uh, paragraphs of description to be too long. Um, so I always try to, within each chapter, on kind of a smaller scale than what you're doing, you said they're like novellas. Yeah. I try to have little mini stories within them that are intriguing enough to keep, keep them pulled along. I, I, I think through it. Now I don't do heavy outlining, but I do kind of have a one or two page list of bullet points that kind of tells what my basic story is. But when I start a new chapter, I do just kind of pause and sit back and think through it for about five minutes on how I'm going to structure that to make it interesting from beginning to end.
6: Hey, writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today
1: save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or 7-up all with your card shop these deals at your local kroger less than five miles away or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
3: This week's episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible.com. And the book of the week we've chosen this week is... Orson Scott Card's Ender's Game, which I can't believe we've never actually promoted, and he was the guest of honor at Life, the Universe, and Everything two years ago. Um, It is one of the greatest books ever written, uh, one of the best science fiction books ever written, and Audible has the audiobook of the special 20th anniversary edition. So go to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse and download a free book, and you can download this one for free and try out their service. All right. We will go back to James Dasher now.
4: Okay. Okay. We are back. Howard, talking about pacing and chapter length, you don't write chapters. You know, you have the daily strips. Some of them are longer than others, have more panels than others. How, how do you decide that? How do you decide when you do a supersize?
2: Um, you know what? I, the, the driving force for me really is the punchline. And there are some times when I know that a, a chunk of story, I have to get out this chunk of story next, and it's too long to you know to get a punchline. It's too long. I'm not going to get to the punchline within one row of panels, and so uh, I need two rows or three rows of panels. I try to schedule those for Sundays because I want my Sunday installments to be big. I want my daily installments to be small. I hate drawing extra rows in the middle of the week because that means more work, and I'm a lazy cartoonist. Um, <laughs> and and so so in in that sense, structure. The the structure of the comic strip is really driving the way I build the story. But in terms of pacing, the punchline is the daily reward. You know, that's your treat for having read today's strip. Uh, if there's going to be a big reveal, unless the big reveal is inherently funny, and I try and stay away from those because they feel cheap. Um, in, unless the big reveal is inherently funny, I uh, I put the reveals. You know, panel two, panel one. Um, and I you know, move the story forward and then tell the joke at the end.
5: Let me, let me jump in here. Because revelations, okay, big reveals, is an excellent way to pace the story. Okay? Suspense, action scenes, fun stuff like that, that always works, of course. But also, I think a big reveal does, has the same effect on a reader. And a specific example is I'm writing the third book of the Mage Runner trilogy. Yeah. And I had two major revelations for like the beginning of the book. But I didn't want to waste them all in one punch. So I, I thought it out. I, in the first chapter, I give a major hint of one. Right. In the second chapter, I reveal the first one. In the third chapter, I reveal the third one. And I think it's really going to get people to start tearing through the beginning. Of that that's, book.
3: that's a good idea. I mean, th- when you start thinking about this topic, when you start thinking about structure as a means of helping your pacing, there are all sorts of things that will occur to you, and some of them will end up working, some of them won't, some of the things I've tried, you'll notice that um, this is a structure item on on a much smaller scale, the one sentence paragraph. How often do you use the one sentence paragraph? If you overuse it, it loses its impact, but if you use it just right, it can be like a zing of, wow, that means something, that one sentence, and your eyes will focus on it. Structure will do that. Short sentences, which you have kind of mentioned in a paragraph, will make people actually give a staccato feel to what's going on, and a chaotic almost feel to it. Um, if you have short paragraphs, that will actually speed things up. The short paragraphs don't have to have as short a sentences as people think to have action sequences, but the short paragraphs will tear them through.
4: Yeah, white space, people love white space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now uh, when you're talking about uh, the pacing of an entire novel, of the long form, Uh, The way I do this is I like to look at all the different elements that are going to be big, that are going to have an impact. And those are things like the introduction of a mystery, what's the seeping box on the the porch, um, you know, the revelation of something, um, and also horrible things that happen, you know, when the character gets punched in the face, you know, when bad things happen. And then find those and space them out. And don't have all of the introductions of mysteries right next to each other. And don't have all of the bad things right next to each other. Spread them out nice and evenly so you get You know, something interesting at a pretty good clip, but something interesting in a different way. Okay.
3: Um, Also, spread out the climaxes. This is one of the things I had to learn. Now, sometimes you want to overlap climaxes. This is, again, is a formatting thing. If everything is coming at you, it, it increases the sense of urgency and chaos. Um, yet at the same time, I've learned as I've been writing, one of the complaints that people have made about my writing is, wow, your endings get so confusing because so much stuff is going on that I have trouble sometimes keeping focused. This was particularly a problem in, um, in Elantris, if you've read that, um, particularly in the first draft. The one that came to press, I, I'm pleased with. I think I did it
4: did all right. But Dan read the original. Yeah, Elantris is where we coined the term the Brandon avalanche, which was the last two or three chapters of every Brandon novel. At the time, was you know, 27 climaxes of all these different plot threads. And he doesn't do that anymore.
3: Yeah, I've learned to try and stagger them. Now, sometimes it's appropriate to bring a lot of things ahead at the same time. But I've found that if you can take different viewpoints, And um, it can stagger their climactic events, particularly in epic fantasy like myself. The structure, then, will actually help
5: the whole book feel better paced. You could look at it like a a television show you like a lot. Say, if you love Lost, there is a certain power to having to stop after an episode and sit there and think about it for a while. If you could literally just watch it continuously for hours and hours, it would lose some of its effect. I did that with the first season of 24. Um, Mm -hmm.
3: And I was super saturated. I mean, um, by the end, I was not able to be appreciating as much because 20, uh, 24 does this sort of pull you through thing. And you know, 24 episodes, an hour long each, I was like brain dead. I, I watched it in two sittings. Um, but oh, yeah, wow. it was just, yeah. L-
4: let me say from the, the horror writer point of view, the thriller point of view, you don't want to have too many of these moments To release tension, you need to have places where you can deflate it a little bit. You need to have breathing space. But if you let all the air out of it, then you lose all of the tension you've built up in that story.
2: A simple pacing trick that uh, I've I've observed in in other people's writing, it doesn't really apply to me, is uh, tagless dialogue. Um, Because you know, by dropping off the said or exclaimed or the you know whatever those little Dean are is really good at that. Um, yeah, just just a straight dialogue. Now, in order to pull this off, your characters' voices have to be well enough established that we can tell who's talking. But by doing that, you are putting less words on the page, but putting just as much content down and dragging the reader through the conversation. I think much more quickly, and it's it it just flies. All right. Um, well. We want to end with a writing prompt, and I
3: think we'll go ahead and use James Dashner's um, wet box writing prompt. So (laughs) someone opens a door and finds a wet cardboard box on their doorstep, and they reach down and pick it up, and it's seeping something. Disgusting. Yes, something disgusting, (laughs) of course. It could be seeping something happy. (laughs) This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write.
7: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.